When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another Baseball America Top 10 Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. Today we are breaking down the Milwaukee Brewers farm system and their overall future outlook. And to do that, we are joined by the unparalleled Ben Babler. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to talk some Brewers prospects. It's a fun system to write up. It's about as good as it's been in quite a while. Yeah, you've done the Brewers system here at Baseball America for us for a few years now. And in that time, they have had some exciting young prospects. We saw a couple of them make their major league debut last year. Sal Frelick, Joey Weimer. Um, there, there's been some talent in this system for a few years now. So it's interesting you say that this is the most talented group that they've had in some time. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this group? And, and ultimately, what makes you say that? I mean, I, I think you really have to go back probably about 20 years to find a time when the Brewers farm system was as good as it is now. I mean, back then it was, you know, Prince Fielder and J.J. Hardy and Ricky Weeks and Corey Hart uh, turned out a lot of really good big league players. They didn't. Ryan Braun, MVP award winner. Yeah. Yeah. He came, like, I think, like a little bit after. That I believe, yeah, like that that whole like era of of uh, Brewers prospects uh, didn't end up ultimately parlaying that into a sustained run of success the way that the Brewers have done so uh, in in the last six six seven years. Um, but I I think they're they're just really well positioned now. It's a it's a balanced system. You have the uh, a potential superstar. At the top, uh, Jackson Churio. There's, you know, maybe only a handful of teams in the game that have a prospect as talented as him. Um, and you know, at, at sometimes in the, you know, in, in recent years, they had a lot of lower level prospects, uh, but the upper level guys were were lacking, or they were more heavy on position prospects. But the pitching is lacking. But uh, now they kind of have a, a good balance of everything they have players at the upper levels obviously with Churio or Tyler Black um, you know on on the hitting side or, or Jefferson Kira who's in double a this year uh, they have lower level players who are, are pretty exciting and and they have pitching too with Jacob Mizierowski Robert Gasser some other uh, arms a little bit deeper down the system I don't think it's a I, I still think it's more of a hitter heavy system but there's just a good balance and a blend of talent both uh, at the upper levels the lower levels uh, for for hitters and for pitchers as well yeah and obviously having talent is a really really good place to be in terms of where the brewers are organizationally this was an offseason of a lot of change most notably craig council longtime manager his contract expired he went to the chicago cubs division rival for five years and 40 million dollars obviously a huge loss organizationally 
Pat Murphy, who was the Brewers bench coach, a longtime standout college coach at Arizona State. Uh, I covered him there, and I also covered him when he was the Padres interim manager a few years ago for my old paper. So um, he's obviously a decorated coach with a lot of accolades over the course of his career. He's now the Brewers' new manager. Uh, we saw David Stern step down as the head of the organization two years ago, but he was still involved as an advisor. Now he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's running baseball operations for the Mets. So you have two really big organizational losses there. David Stearns and Craig Council no longer in the organization. What does that mean moving forward? Because I think we can all agree you can have talent, but how the organization develops it and, and ultimately how it's managed in the major leagues is what matters the most at the end of the day. What's the future outlook for the organization from that vantage point? I think, yeah, a lot of the same people and processes are, uh, you know, for the most part, amateur scouting, uh, international scouting, um, pro scouting, a a lot of the same department heads and and people uh, throughout the organization are, are still in place. And I think Matt Arnold, even in, you know, he there's a reason I think David Stearns picked him as his number two when he joined the Brewers uh he's been there for a while his his fingerprints have been all over this organization I think you could just see even in his offseason last year that he helped put the Brewers in a a better position in 2023 Uh, I think Craig Council is a very good manager one of the best managers in the game but um I think a lot of good people uh and systems are are still in place. Uh, I think it's probably going to be more the uh, the players on the field this year that kind of determine what this kind of hazy looking 2024 outlook is for the Brewers because obviously they were very good in in 2023, but still some uh, pretty big holes to uh, to fill on the field more so than than off the field. I think. Yeah, you mentioned those holes on the field, and it's an important point. The Brewers have reached the playoffs five of the last six years. They're the defending NL Central Division champions. Obviously, they've had a lot of success, and that shouldn't be shortchanged in any way. However, they have won a playoff series only once during this time, and the biggest reason why is their offense perennially just isn't good enough to to be blunt about it. Um, This is a team that, despite playing in a hitter-friendly ballpark, despite playing in one of the weakest divisions in baseball, perennially fields a bottom half offense in Major League Baseball. We saw that last year. They were 17th in runs scored. And that gets exposed every year in the postseason. We saw last year, for example, during their wildcard series against the Diamondbacks, you know, Carlos Santana and Mark Canna were their three four hitters. And both these are, are good players who've had good careers, but I think we can all agree those would not be the three, four hitters on a World Series caliber team. You know, if you're a World Series caliber team, you hope those are your six, seven hitters, maybe your five, six hitters. And part of the issue, and and we've talked about this every year, and it bears repeating, the Brewers have a tremendous track record of developing pitchers, but their track record of developing hitters is is really, really poor. Um, You know, you mentioned obviously that great run of Fielder and Hardy and Hart and Braun, but you go back, the Brewers really have not had a successful homegrown hitter developed since Scooter Jeanette and Jonathan Lucroy. We saw Keston Hero show some early promise. He kind of fell apart. You know, we saw South Frelick and Joey Weimer make their debuts last year. Things to work on, um, but, but also some flashes of promise there. We have to see how that kind of shakes out over time. Given they're a small market team, they, they have to develop their stars homegrown. It's going to be really, really hard for them to, to sign any big free agents. We saw them make a great trade for Christian Yelch a few years ago. But on the whole, this is a group that to have success, they have to homegrow it. And they have not homegrown successful major league hitters really for well over a decade now. 
what's the outlook for this position player group specifically? Because I feel like you feel confident they're going to develop pitchers, but for this organization to get to the next level and start winning playoff series consistently and get to the franchise's first World Series since 1982, the hitter development has to improve. Yeah, I'd feel more confident about the position prospects in the system right now, um, even more so than the pitchers. I mean, I like Jacob Mizorowski and uh, Robert Gasser, and uh, there's some other arms in the organization, but still I think the strength of this system is in the position prospects. Um, you know, Jackson Churio, there's only a, you know, you can count on one hand the prospects in the game who are better than him. Um, you know, him, whether it's uh, Tyler Black, who I think is one of the better pure hitters, best strike zone discipline, uh, some of the best strike zone discipline, not just in the system, but in all of the minor leagues. Uh, and a pretty good athlete too. Obviously, the position up in the air <laughs> with him uh, might just depend on where the Brewers most uh, or, or have an opening, which you know may end up being first base. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of hitters in the system, and then you mentioned you know Sal Frelick, uh, who I still have a lot of confidence in. Joey Weimer, I think, is getting some holes uh, further exposed as he's facing more advanced pitching, but uh, certainly wouldn't write him off yet or uh, Bryce Terang. I mean, they, they, they have a bunch of these guys in the organization who, um, you know, are, are getting pretty close. Uh, and then even the lower level guys like, uh, uh, you know, a Luis Lara or some of the, you know, the high school players they, they took this year uh, or, or including, well, I'd say extended to college players too with, with Brock Wilkin too. So, um, there's, there's some good arms in the system, but I, I do feel more strongly, uh, overall about the, the hitters, but, um, obviously when you have Jackson Churio <laughs> in the system that, that helps tilt it in that favor too. Yeah. So I think it's important that we dive into Jackson Churio, the Brewers, we talk about this was, uh, an off season in transition in some ways. And one of the moves they made to kind of stabilize their future was they signed Jackson Churio to a record extension, eight years, $82 million, the largest deal ever for a player that has yet to play a day in major league baseball. And not only has he yet to play a day in major league baseball, he's barely played in triple a, I got called up there for the very end of the season last year. What is it about Jackson Churio that provides so much confidence that the organization was willing to give him $82 million when he has yet to play a day in the major leagues? Yeah. I think you just look at the track record of players who have, ranked as a top top three or if you want to extend it out this year it's a top five prospect in baseball specifically for position players who've been a top five overall prospect in baseball you know you do have some misses right like you have your jesus monteros of the world ruben rivera um other non-yankees too i suppose but um for the most part the track record of those players is outstanding uh, hall of famers, perennial all-stars. Uh, and it's not because we're so smart or anything like that. It's just look, the talent that these guys have is so obvious that if you know, we didn't put them <laughs> as a top three or a top five prospect in the game, people would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so you just, you look back at that track record being so good, being what it is, uh, and and Cherio absolutely fits 
in that group. So, you know, is, is there some risk that he ends up being a, you know, below average, you know, being that Ruben Rivera type player? Sure. I, I guess there's some risk that that still happens. He's not the, he's not a flawless player, but the upside is like, he could be their, you know, version of Ronald Acuna. So it's, it's the, for, like you said, the Brewers are not going to be going out signing, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger or some other big ticket free agent at the top of the class, but they can't afford to give out this contract. And if it doesn't work out for some reason, it's not going to hamstring the Brewers uh, in a, in a major way. And if it does, they're basically securing all of his twenties for what's going to be a significantly, uh, I think below market rate had this guy, you know, ha- had he even waited another year and had a, a year like, a, you know, a Julio Rodriguez or a Corbin Carroll or a Gunnar Henderson too. So um, yeah, it's, it's just a really dynamic player, power, speed, uh, performance, not first half performance, which was, you know, how much of that was a Southern league baseball uh, that they were using in the first half uh, and then switching back to the traditional ball in the second half and then how much of it was just a 19 year old being pushed at a very aggressive level and making adjustments in the second half uh you know probably some of some of each i do think the ball was a big factor though uh but i mean power speed uh, performance at least when we're using a, a normal baseball and an ability to play a premium position in center field just a really really electric dynamic player who's somebody you can kind of be a cornerstone type player for an organization. Yeah. You mentioned the Southern league ball. I mean, just to put it in perspective, once they switch back to the regular ball, uh, his average jumped 90 uh, ish points and his OPS jumped 200 ish points. So that was certainly a, a huge, huge adjustment, you know, for him and, and really players throughout the league, um, you know, moving back to the traditional ball, you mentioned there's still some things to work on, like any young player, again, tremendously talented. You see the tools, you see the ability, you see the instincts, which stands out too. It's not like it's just a raw tooled up dude. He's always shown good feel for the game and the ability to adjust, which is so, so, so critical. What are some of the things he just needs to kind of work on as he gets ready to make his major league debut, which again, given the contract he signed, we know will come in 2024. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I think the key with him will be swing decisions. He's not a free swinger. He's not just up there, uh, you know, chasing a whole bunch of sliders off the plate or or swinging indiscriminately or just trying to pull everything. Uh, In fact, one of the things that's so impressive is the way that he hits the ball to the opposite field. Uh, He hits balls to right center field that just carry and carry and carry. It's, It's plus plus raw power it's it's true all fields power which is really uncommon to see for a 19 year old especially a 19 year old who has the you know speed and athleticism to them to be able to play <laughs> center field but he is he is an aggressive hitter um, you know we saw in the second half his um his his strikeout rate went down his walk rate went up a tick again how much is that is the baseball switch how much is that is the adjustments he's making on his own probably a a blend of each but um you know i I think if we were talking about a 19 year old who 
was in low A, which would be more age appropriate or more age traditional level for him. We wouldn't even be talking <laughs> about this as much, but um, I, I think the swing decisions are something that will need to be tightened up. Like I don't think he's ever going to be like a you know three ninety four hundred on base guy necessarily, but um, that's that's probably the one area of his offensive game that he's that, that's going to have the most focus on it, and then defensively he doesn't throw it's not a great arm that's probably like a fringy average arm kind of always knew that ever since he signed uh he was a shortstop with some you know some arm issues when he signed out of venezuela brewers moved him uh pretty quickly to center field full-time but uh you know the arm is really the least important defensive tool for um uh, a center fielder so not really a uh, more of a nitpick than than anything else with him yeah, absolutely. Like you've mentioned, he's a tremendously talented player. We've seen him make adjustments again to be 19 years old, have the season he had in double A, make the adjustments he did second half baseball or not and get to triple A. It's a testament to his ability, his aptitude. And I think there's a high level of confidence that he's going to be a perennial all-star type of player. And that's what stood out, you know, in my conversations with evaluators outside the Brewers organization over the last few years is even the people on the lower end of the spectrum with him say, oh yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a multiple time all-star like Starling Marte is like the low end comp and the high end comps. You get names of people who have won MVP awards. So it, it has stood out to me that for a player who, you know, and this was even two years ago when he was still in low A in the Carolina league, his talent was so prodigious that evaluators had no problem saying, yeah, this is a perennial all-star potential MVP candidate, which, you know, not a lot of, guys get that label put on them in low a to say the least yeah it's uh it's pretty special talent i mean potential 30 30 home run potential 30 plus stolen base potential uh premium defense uh the track record obviously speaks for itself too and uh too i should say and every tool you know with the exception of arm strength uh should be a 60 if if not a 70 tool so uh pretty 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 rare blend of uh hitting ability athleticism tools and premium position uh for especially for a guy who's about to make his major league debut at uh, at 20 years old this this upcoming season absolutely well ben this isn't just the jackson cheerio podcast it's the no. uh, brewers uh, entire farm system podcast so uh, you mentioned there's a lot of talent in the system it's not just a case of having a great number one prospect and, and not a whole lot behind him there are a lot of other really good players in the system i want to break them down with you uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get right back to it welcome we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all don't search match with indeed if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the Brewers Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Ben Badler. All right, Ben, so we talked about the Brewers organization as a whole. We talked about Jackson Churio. There are some really good prospects beyond just the number one prospect in the system. I want to check in with you on Jacob Mizorowski. He's someone that received a substantial bonus out of the 2022 draft. He was their second round pick, but uh, received a higher bonus than first round pick Eric Brown Jr., and really, really, really turned some heads in his first full season, got to double A, showing some absolutely explosive, huge stuff, had a star turn in the futures game. I wrote about him there and just blowing people away with easy triple digit velocity and a dirty slider. Um, just really, really impressive. He is six foot seven. He's kind of a beanpole and the walk rate is is extremely high. Um, and I know when I spoke to evaluators throughout the year, they said they loved the stuff, but they felt he was a 100% reliever and there were some injury concerns. So there was a sense of just put him in your bullpen, let him blow gas as long as he can. You talk to some other people, there's a little more faith he can start primarily because of belief in the Brewers pitching development. What's the overall outlook for Jacob Mizorowski? I think there's a, a fairly unanimous consensus. He will impact a major league team in a positive way. It's just a matter of whether it will be in the bullpen or in the rotation. Yeah, I don't think any disagreement lies within, well, e- either the stuff or the control <laughs> with him, right? It's kind of obvious the fastball is sitting mid-upper 90s. It's touching triple digits. It plays up above that. It's it's just this unusual uh, release. He's, like you said, he's six foot seven, gets a ton of extension, uh, the life on the fastball it's hard to square that up. Oh, and then he's snapping off just this hellacious slider. It's a plus plus pitch. He's got a, a curveball too, that he can spin uh, just as well. Uh, change up is, you know, low nineties. It's hard, it's hard <laughs> for that to be a good pitch for him. I, I think that's the pitch that needs the most work, but he doesn't really even need it because his other stuff is so good, but yeah, I mean, the control is, 
kind of the obvious uh the the obvious uh weakness for him right now and that's going to dictate his future the the you know the glass half empty look would be yeah the the control e- even while it did take a step forward last year is still uh, below average at best and if it doesn't really make or even if it does make improvements might not be good enough to be a starting pitcher the more optimistic view would be hey, this guy has had you know one season in junior college he's had one season of professional baseball in which he got to double a as a 21 year old and he's six foot seven uh built like one of those you know waving inflatable things that you see outside a car dealership like you know those those guys who are just so long and lanky just take more time to grow into their body coordination and sync everything up and like the ultimate of that is obviously randy johnson which i'm not saying he's the next (laughs) randy johnson but yeah like it might take it might take three or four or five more years for everything to click for him but there's a chance that uh, yeah, like just because he is so long and gangly that it, it might take more time for it to all sync up, but it it might just take a little bit more patience. And, and when it does, he clearly has the stuff where if it all does click to be a front end starter, there's very few pitchers in minor league baseball right now who can match him just in terms of raw stuff yeah maybe it ends up being uh, a bullpen role uh, like like some scouts think and could just you know put him back there for an inning wipe out stuff but uh, i i still have or i'm certainly more optimistic now than i was at this time a year ago that uh he has a, a chance to be a, a starting pitcher and if he does uh the stuff is certainly there to be uh, you know uh, a front-end type of starter yeah, and I think what's important to note too is, you know, he still has time. You mentioned the long, lean, gangly guys can take a little bit longer to fill out, gain some body control, gain some coordination. And he finished last year at double A. It was only five starts there. So I mean he could very realistically go back to double A this year, spend some time there, spend the rest of the year in triple A in Nashville, which is is a solid park for pitchers in terms of the triple A, you know, just the baseball and everything that goes on there. You know, we could see him spend a full another year in the minors if he needs it, and he certainly wouldn't be off track. And I think, too, what's encouraging when you talk about the organization he's in, we see some organizations rush their pitching prospects. Um, if he was in the Royal system, I think you'd feel a lot worse about his future outlook um, than other organizations as well that tend to do that. You know, with the Brewers, they have shown a willingness. They did this with Brandon Woodruff. They did it with Corbin Burns. Bring him up to the majors in the bullpen at first, let them get acclimated, let them work through some things, and then eventually transition them to the rotation. So I think what's important here when, when you ultimately look at, okay, realistically, what will his big league outcome be? I think you can be optimistic that he's in an organization that will give him the time and the path to develop as a starter. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I do feel like given, again, you could see him spending all of next year in the minors and then coming up in a bullpen role and then transitioning to a starter, you know, that is a possible outcome that would be beneficial. And I feel pretty good about the Brewers with their track record doing that if needed. Yeah, I could see that happening. I could see them just leaving him in that role too and being that Josh Hader type relief weapon for them. There's just a huge uh, 
a huge band of outcomes for for him that range from everything from a you know front of the rotation starter to that um, you know really high end reliever to you know potentially somebody who never figures out the control. Um, so there's a there's a there's a big wide wide range of <laughs> uh, variants for what could happen with him, but the the high end outcomes are are very very high. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to ask you, and I, I alluded to this earlier. Um, Again, you can never predict injuries. Everyone's body is so different. But, you know, I did speak to a few evaluators who said just looking at his body, the delivery, his stuff, the way it all works, they had some injury concerns long term with him. Did any of that come up in your reporting? It's, I mean, anytime you have a guy who throws 102 miles an hour, there's going to be some (laughs) added injury risk over, you know, the guys who are, you know, topping it, you know, 94, 95. Um, it's there's there's definitely effort to the delivery and i think that also just impedes his control too Um, whether that adds extra injury risk uh, maybe i think the the biggest thing is just being able to uh, repeat that delivery to uh, to throw enough strikes Uh, and then of course obviously we we do need to see him just be able to prove that he can handle uh you know, a starter's full season workload, which we haven't really seen yet, but also it was his first year in pro bowl. Uh, and like, you know, he is six foot seven, 190 pounds. Like the Brewers were trying to be pretty careful in how they managed his, his innings, his first year out. Yeah. Very understandably. I, I think no one would be surprised if in a few years he's six, seven, two twenty five, two thirty. I think that would probably be the the optimal weight there. Ben, we mentioned, you know, Jackson true, Clear cut number one in the system, one of the mm-hmm. top three prospects in baseball, you know, has a case. There are there will be people who say he's number one. Obviously, Jackson Holiday for us is number one, but um, Jackson Churio is is in that talent band, so to speak. Mizorowski checking in at number two. How much debate was there between him and some of the other guys on this list? Jefferson Caro reached the futures game last year, um, consistently regarded as one of the best catching prospects in baseball. You know, Tyler Black can really, really, really hit good reviews all around. Robert Gasser led all triple A and strikeouts. You know, we see lefties who maybe don't let up the radar gun. That's a, a phylum that consistently uh, performs well in the majors. Um, you know, it just, when they can get outs in AAA, that it tends to work in the majors for them. And sometimes they exceed what uh, prospect expectations are. How much debate was there kind of in this two to five group and, and, you know, what were kind of the tiers, so to speak? Yeah, I think the, just the upside that Ms. Yarowski had gave him the edge for me. If you're somebody who's more uh, pessimistic about Ms. Yarowski's chances to start or some of the other, um, holes in his game, he'd probably be lower. And and Jefferson Kiro, um, he's he's right up there among. I mean, he's not at that Ethan Salas tier. And then Samuel Basayo, I, I would have ahead of him too. Although Basayo, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to catch long term. Whereas Jefferson Kiro, he's right in that next group for me. And it's just as far as pure defense. I don't know. He's at least in the conversation for the best defensive catcher in the minor leagues. And if it was just an all defense guy, we wouldn't be, I certainly wouldn't be talking about him in this tier. I mean, he got to double a as a 20 year old this year and really hit, he showed more power too. And then uh, every box you want a 20 year old catcher 
to check defensively. He does. It's uh, plus plus arm uh, plays up. He's got a quick release uh, blocks. Well, receives well, uh, all, all the intangibles that managers love to have in a catcher. Uh, he's going to be like, a, you know, Pat Murphy's best friends in, in a couple of <laughs> years. Uh, he just, he does so many different things in terms of the way he calls a game and controls a pitching staff and the leadership that he has. So, uh, but that's uh, the thing is offensively, he, his game really took a step forward this year. We saw, uh, you know, more power where it, it looked like more of a, uh, you know, he could make some hard contact before, but more of like a slashy type hitter. Uh, now looks more like a 20 potential 20 plus home run guy. So uh good fastball hitter. He, he He's kind of like Cheerio where he's going to have to tighten up some of the swing decisions. So I, I don't know if he's going to be a, you know, top, top middle of the order type hitter uh, may end up hitting still toward the back of the lineup. But uh, even so, I, I think he'll be an above average offensive or has a chance to be an above average uh, offensive player for a catcher and, and a well above average defensive player too. So uh, to me, that's like a pretty easy top 50 prospect with, uh, with Mizzi too. Yeah, again, Jefferson Caro is someone who really drew plaudits even in the ACL. And we talk about Jackson Churio. You know, the Brewers have done a really good job internationally. You look at Churio, you look at Kiro, uh, Luis Lar, who ranks in this top 10. It does seem mm-hmm. like that has been a strength of this organization, finding talent on the international market. Yeah, they've uh, they've gotten pretty good returns. Uh, <laughs> certainly when you have a, a guy who's making a case for being the number one prospect in baseball two years after signing. And then Carol being, like I said, probably a top 50 prospect and Luis Lara, at least on that periphery of being in that top 100 conversation uh, right now too. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, we've talked so much about this organization, their success developing pitchers, and there's two pitchers in this top 10 who, again, they're not going to let up a radar gun. Um, the stuff isn't going to wow anyone. But they've been successful, and, and there's enough there where evaluators do see big leaguers. Uh, we talked about Robert Gasser, led all of AAA in strikeouts last year. And Carlos Rodriguez, a right-handed pitcher, uh, was a mid-round pick a few years ago and was, frankly, one of the most effective pitchers in minor league baseball last year. Really kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Uh, guys uh, from Florida Southwestern State Junior College, born in Nicaragua, um, led the Southern League with a, a 2.77 ERA. Um, you know, consistently was up near the top of the leaderboard in most minor league categories. What's the realistic outlook here for, for Gasser and Rodriguez? Because I feel like these are guys that from the outside looking, you say, okay, maybe number five is starters. But with the Brewers, you know, we've seen a lot of guys who might have that expectation and, and exceed that. Yeah, Carlos Rodriguez. Uh, I mean, the Brewers have shown a knack for hitting on junior college pitchers yeah. and <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be next to next necessarily next in line as far as some of the previous guys who've uh, come through the organization, but um, man, I mean, like you just, you look at him and physically nothing really jumps out. It's this compact kind of squatty ish six foot right-handed pitcher. Uh, The velocity, like you said, it's, it's sitting low nineties might like tickle a, a 95 every now and then. Um, it's mostly that the changeup is, is a really good pitch for him. It's a lot of arm side, uh, you know, run on that pitch. Uh, that's, that's really where he gets most of his 
swing and miss. He doesn't really have, uh, you know, splits against uh, or a, a, a difference in his splits between lefties and righties for the most part. And, and a big part of that is because of that changeup that he can use. Uh, breaking stuff is like, it's, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, wow about it. Um, so certainly a lot of questions when he was in the lower levels of the minor leagues of, all right, well, yeah, he's getting guys out now, but you know, we see fastball change up, especially guys with a really good change up in the lower levels can, uh, you know, breeze through that level of hitter. And then when they get to the upper levels, the success starts to fade away, but no, like you said, he got to the upper levels and he was one of the best performers in the minor leagues. I think there's still questions about how well that's going to fare now against major league hitters. But yeah, I mean, just putting together the list, I was like, man, like, you know, Josh Noth, who was a big draft pick for the Brewers this year out of high school. I mean, he clearly has better raw stuff than Rodriguez. Uh, and there's some other guys who probably could have made the back of this top 10 who, um, you know, maybe have more more tools on the position player side or just more upside than him. But I was like, I don't know if I can keep this guy out of the top 10, just the way he performed. So um, he just keeps kind of proving everybody wrong. And, you know, maybe he is one of these guys. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, I think obviously Robert Gass will probably be in line first uh, for a, a major league role, especially in the starting rotation. But uh, I do expect Rodriguez to, make his debut at some point in, in 2024. To put you in the spot, how realistic is it that we look up three years from now and Robert Gasser is the Brewers number four starter and Carlos Rodriguez is their number five. Uh, three years from now. Yeah. Hard to put like a, the think of like their future rotation that far <laughs> out. But I mean, in, in terms of like fitting into that role. Yeah. I, I certainly think both of them have the ability to, uh, to do that. And I think Robert Gasser probably has more upside to uh, pitch in a role higher than that. Like you said, sometimes the, these guys, the, you know, especially left-handed pitchers who maybe don't light up a radar gun, but do have success. And certainly like the first half of Robert Gasser's or the early months of Robert Gasser's 2023 season uh, weren't super inspiring, but toward the end of it uh, or after those first couple of months, it, it was a lot better. So um, you know, I, I could see him developing into, yeah, that, you know, number four type starter. I, I could also see him being one of those guys who ends up exceeding expectations and being a, a number three or, you know, I, I wouldn't even rule out something higher than that. Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, Eric, I just keep going back to Eric Lauer, who I saw throughout the minors, covered him with the Padres. And I mean, he just was very much a number five ish starter. Then he gets to Milwaukee and he had two seasons of, uh, you know, really, really good performance that was more in line with, uh, you know, I mean, that first year, especially in 2021, he pitched like a number three. Then 2022 was, was really, really good. Um, last year, 2023 was, was not great, uh, got hurt. But even just getting two years of Eric Lauer, ERAs in the low to mid threes is way beyond what I thought anything possible and as well as a lot of other teams and evaluators so we'll see if the brewers can get that out of gasser as well ben you mentioned there were a lot of players who had tools or, or had some exciting things about their games that you know pushed them into top 10 consideration for you and you mentioned there's some depth to the system as well how many players would you say were in consideration for this 10 or how many guys were maybe on the cusp and just missed yeah, I think you go to the top 15 
in this system and make a pretty compelling case for any of those guys to be in, you know, in that back end of the top 10. Um, you know, I, I, I like their draft this year. Um, they had a, they, they tend to be more of a uh, college heavy organization, but that wasn't really the route they went this year. So they got a lot of pretty intriguing high school players with, uh, Cooper Pratt, uh, shortstop, Eric Patanti, uh, I don't know, shortstop, more, more likely third. <laughs> I think he's going to third base and uh, yeah. pro ball uh, full time. And, you know, hopefully he can stick there. I, I, I think he can. Uh, huge power upside uh, with him. Obviously, Josh Noth, a right handed pitcher out of New York uh, high school, super young for uh, the draft class. So is so is Batanti as well. Um yeah. You know, and then on the, the college side, they drafted, uh, you know, Mike Bovey uh, with their second round pick out of Nebraska, Omaha. Uh, you know, they had Yoferi Rodriguez in the DSL this year. Uh, Luke Adams is a, a really polarizing player, uh, but also I think a really good pick for a 12th round pick out of an Illinois high school in 2022, uh, who had a really nice year uh, for himself in low A this season. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I think after that, like their depth in the, you know, like the 20, the, like the 20 to 30 range is kind of, it's ordinary. It's not, it's not like, wow, I, I, I there's so many more players after 30 who I wish I could still write up. Like, no, it's, it's about what you would expect in a normal system. But I think especially from, from one through 15, the, the depth is, is, is better than what you would find in, in most organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just as we wrap up here, I feel like, again, we've got a team that is consistently winning the major leagues, again, defending NL Central champions, you know, reached the playoffs five of the last six years, uh, a really, really good farm system with a premium talent at the top. Again, the point of all this is to put together a team in the major leagues capable of competing for and ultimately winning a World Series Again, a lot of change. Pat Murphy taking over. David Stearns leaving the organization. Uh, you even talk about, you know, Brandon Woodruff, a longtime stalwart for the team, uh, was non-tendered for the upcoming year because he had shoulder surgery and will miss the yeah. season. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk. Corbin Burns only has one more year left on his deal. So there is some transitional aspects to where this team is. Where do you see this organization going? What realistically should be the expectations moving forward over the next few years? Do you see it kind of maintaining status quo, a dip, then an uptick? And it just, again, I, I get the main question is, is this team going to be a World Series contender and what needs to happen for them to get there? Yeah, I mean, I'll know a lot more in like four months once they've kind of gone through this whole offseason. They're a very good team in 2023, but, you know, losing... Woodruff is is pretty brutal. Uh, how do they how do they navigate this kind of in between year where like how how competitive will they be in twenty twenty four? How much do they want to push more chips in for next season as opposed to uh, you know trading some players and maybe looking toward twenty twenty five. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure those are very stressful decisions <laughs> for the Brewers front office, but the, the talent is there in the organization. I mean, we didn't even, you know, like South Frillick is not even counted in the, uh, you know, in our farm system 
rankings or, or in their, the Brewers top 10 prospects, but um, you know, somebody like him, or, or I think there's still more growth ahead for Bryce Terang. And then, they're, you know, they're going to get Churio is going to come up this year. Tyler Black's going to be ready to come up this year. Gasser will, will come up at some point uh, this year. Maybe Jacob Mizurowski. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who can, who are going to be ready to contribute in 2024. Most of them I'm sure will struggle just because they're going to be young rookies, uh, yeah. including Churio wouldn't surprise me if he struggled this year as a 20 year old. Um, but I think going forward from like 2025 on the, the talent is still there in the organization in the minor league pipeline to uh, continue a, another run. I mean, it's kind of hard to, get to the playoffs for another, you know, five years out of six going forward. But uh, yeah, if, if they continue to kind of make the right moves in, uh, in trades and, and some smart free agent signings on the, the margins, those kind of things, the, the talent is there in the organization to, uh, to build around, but yeah, 2024, it's a, it's going to be a tricky off season to, to navigate. Well, we'll see what they do and uh, which of these young players can come up and, uh, you know, hopefully make uh, an impact sooner rather than later. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you as always. And uh, we always appreciate your insight and analysis. Yeah, absolutely. Always fun talking prospects with you, Kyle. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America Top 10 Prospects podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Ben Badler, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.